Hi, I'm Sharon Hunter, and this is Moonstone Connections, a podcast that puts the spotlight on important leaders in the world of arts and entertainment. Through in-depth conversations with people in the arts, we will get a chance to learn about them and how they are making a difference. Hi, and welcome to Moonstone Connections. I hope you all have had a really good summer as we are now entering fall. (laughs) And it's funny how fast the years go by, huh? Well, I wanted to say that uh, one of the things about Moonstone Connections that we've talked about a lot about the arts and entertainment industry is how much it's so important to um, get to know people in this industry and to make those connections. And I know that from all the different guests that we have had on the show, they all talk so much about how it's important to foster those relationships. And I am very, very grateful for all the support that we have had, um, not only in the St. Louis uh, community, but also nationally for this podcast. And one of those things that I wanted to say is thank you so much to the Ledoux News, because this summer we were chosen as one of the seven podcasts made by St. Louisans for St. Louisans. And it's quite an honor. And I am very humbled to be a part of the group that was chosen as the seven podcasts that uh, that they were recommending that you listen to. So uh, thanks again to the Ledoux News and to the author of the article was reporter Andrea Smith. So it's very much appreciated and we are very proud to be part of that illustrious group. Um, I also wanted to tell you that as we've talked about on this show, about how, you know, we have had um, a quite a delay at times with live uh, theatrical productions, not only in St. Louis, but across uh, the, the country, actually globally, as we have uh, navigated this pandemic that we have all had to deal with. And of course, we are all very excited and eager to get back to live theater. And that has happened uh, this summer. We have seen uh, many theaters uh, come up with wonderful ideas over the past year and a half, actually, to uh, do theater on radio, to do theater, um, you know, virtually streaming. And we've also seen a resurgence of live theater, outside productions, inside productions. Well, my theater company, uh, Moonstone Theater Company, is actually returning Um, I guess you could say we're finally launching, um, and I'm so excited about it. Our inaugural season will begin. uh, Our opening night is October 14th of 2021 at the Kirkwood Performing Arts Center, the brand new Kirkwood Performing Arts Center, which is just a stunning facility. Uh, We will be doing Jake's Women by Neil Simon in their studio theater, and I couldn't be more excited about it uh, and so happy that we're finally um, going to offer you uh, a theatrical production indoors and, of course, with all our safety precautions and all of our safety protocols because, of course, as we've talked about it multiple times, the safety of the cast and the crew and, most importantly, the audience is first and foremost in everyone's mind now that we have returned to, um, to theater. 
So if you would like to get tickets, and of course, I would love to see you there and I would love to meet you. Um, my, uh, you can, you can get tickets by going to moonstonetheatercompany.com slash tickets, M-O-O-N-S-T-O-N-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E-C-O-M-P-A-N-Y. That's moonstonetheatercompany.com slash tickets or by calling 314-821-9956. And as always, we will see you at the theater. Today on Moonstone Connections, I am so excited to welcome our guest, John O'Brien. He is the Director of Programming for the Fabulous Fox Theater in St. Louis, where he is responsible for programming the U.S. Bank Broadway series. In addition to his work with Fox Associates, he is editor of the industry newsletter, Broadway Briefing, and previously served as Director of Operations for Broadway Brands, publisher of Broadway Briefing and Broadway News. Prior to working with Fox Associates, John worked with various companies in New York and St. Louis, including Roundabout Theater Company, the Muni, New York Musical Festival, and RKO Stage. John is a member of the Broadway League and the Independent Presenters Network and is a Tony Awards voter. That's kind of cool. We'll have to ask him about that. And uh, just so excited to welcome you to the podcast because I am a big fan and a big admirer. And I also just, I, I think your meteoric rise within this theater world has been really astonishing. And I just really am so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. This is uh, incredible. So thanks for oh, Thank you so much. Um, I guess what I usually always do is sort of start out where you started out, your childhood, and talk about, you know, where did you, where did you get your interest in theater? And was your family involved in that? And was that something, were you a theater kid? So I, I wasn't really a theater kid growing up. Um, you know, my family was not very arts heavy, but there's some bug that bit me. Um, when I was in elementary school, I started playing like the trumpet, was not very good at it. So my apologies to my parents for that. Uh, but, you know, I was kind of the odd duck in that sense and having this kind of interest in music and theater. Uh, but it wasn't really until high school that I started doing some shows and okay, that's not too bad. That's pretty cool. Uh, and when I got to college, I thought I had had the days of theater were behind me, but jokes on me because it, you know, creeped up in a couple of times in college. Um, but again, I mean, that's been with theater, it's kind of been a wild thing for me because I never expected it to continue to be a part of my life. Uh, but then I just couldn't stay away in one way or another and kept popping back until. That's interesting. <laughs> what were you? Know, what were you interested in? I mean, what, what did you think you were going to do uh, besides theater? Like, what were you thinking your career would be? Yeah, well, so the sad thing for my parents is I applied to undergrad bio pre-med with hopes of going to med school. Um, they were thrilled. They were over the moon. Within maybe the first week before even classes started, I decided I did not want to be a doctor. So I dropped that and ended up deciding um, I wanted to study music. So I picked up the French horn, which is an instrument I had <laughs> never played before, and decided to learn the French horn in college and make it my major instead of medicine. And my parents were, <laughs> they, were weird. they were way more supportive than they should have been, but man, I can only imagine the, like what was going through their head when I had that conversation with them. Were you good at the French horn? 
I mean, I'm was it not one of those really, things? Not great. Like, I picked I'm, up the French horn and I suddenly was, you know, <laughs> I was in demand on people's CDs or something. I mean, yeah, you can still yeah. hear recordings. I'm all I over the so. place. Well, um, that's good. No, absolutely not. I it was definitely one of those things where I always saw it as a beautiful instrument. It and is. I reached out to the horn professor and I said, Can you teach me to play this? She said, oh, sure, yeah, let's do it. And so I was in a practice room playing Mary Had a Little Lamb next to people playing Beethoven and Strauss and incredible concertos. And oh, it was trash. But I did, I worked my butt off and I got much better. I, I will never be performing on stages for the sake of all humanity, but uh, I love it. But, and you don't know when that'll come in handy. You just don't. It, exactly. You know. Exactly. It's so nothing else. It's, it's a good cocktail story. That's um. true. That's true. So you, you went to college and then did you get a degree in theater? So my degree is in music. So oh, I have wow. kind of a, a general music degree and how it kind of all circled back is when I was studying music, I decided that I really was more interested in kind of the arts administration route and, you know, thought about working with an opera company or with, uh, you know, a symphony in some kind of admin management role. Um, but at the same time, I had like started to really fall in love with musical theater. Um, you know, I had some friends that would drag me to the Muni right after I maybe graduated high school. I had some friends that would drag me to the Muni and I was like, oh, I guess this will be fine. And I just totally fell in love with it. So once upon a time when I studied music, I, my dream was to conduct pit orchestras. That's all I wanted to do. Then I realized as uh, someone with no piano skills and very few French horn skills, I was likely not going to be the next, uh, you know, world-class music like director. So then you just, so after college, did you stay in Missouri or did you, did you go off to, to New York? Like a lot of people do. Yeah. So as soon as I graduated, I moved to New York, but wow. that kind of like switch to theater happened when I was, I applied for the music direction internship at the Muni and, you know, I had fallen in love with the Muni at that point right. uh, and really wanted to work with their pit orchestras, thought it'd be so neat. Um, so I applied for an internship and got an interview and throughout the process of this interview, you know, I was really clicking with their production manager, Tracy. Um, and at the end of it, she was like, you know, so I really enjoyed meeting with you. But I have to tell you, the position, the music director and direction internship is no longer available, but I would like to work with you. Are you open to other opportunities? And I, oh, I'm like, of course. Yes, of course. Uh, and in my mind, there is only one position, one internship that I didn't want. And it was the shopper buyer intern. And she, I said, what, what internship do you have available that you had in mind? And she said, of course, because I put into the world, she said, the shopper buyer internship, uh, would you be interested? And I was like, of course, the dream of my life. I would love it. Oh, I love Always say yes. Exactly. And that's because I knew it was a foot in the door and I hoped it would help me, you know, grow within the Muni, maybe get to that music direction internship at some point. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was truly the weirdest summer of my life. Uh, like it was, <laughs> so as a shopper buyer, I was the person who would go to every department get a list of what they needed that day. And because mm -hmm. the Muni is so in-house and random and quick, you know, I'd go to wardrobe and they'd say, okay, we need four yards of this. We need two tubs of this paint. We need this like thread. 
then I go to the props and they'd say, we need 30 pool noodles, a crossbow and two gallons of baby oil. And which is a normal day, you know. Of course, yes. That's what usually my shopping list looks like. <laughs> exactly. No, we have so much in common. Today. I know. Um, I really do. But it was, so it was just a totally weird summer. And this position I thought I would hate, I kind of fell in love with because I loved being, you know, behind the scenes and part of that admin team, part of that, you know, production team. So I kind of got bit by the bug then. Um, and so when I was graduating, I was throwing out applications all over the country and eventually got uh, an offer for the New York Musical Festival in New York and decided I could not say no to that. So sure. packed my bags a couple of weeks after graduation and moved to New York with um, enough money to last me one month and pray <laughs> that I could get a job. Uh, and somehow it worked out. And so did you get a job once you were there as far as it, you did the internship, obviously, mm -hmm. right? So I ended up, yeah, when I moved there, I had the one internship that wasn't really paid. Um, and, you know, I didn't have, you know, financial support wow. elsewhere. So I basically made sure I had enough for the month and I looked for jobs in restaurants. I looked for more internships. So I ended up finding a producing internship to do as well as my general management internship. And then I worked at a restaurant downtown that I absolutely despised, but it paid the bills. Right. Um, and you know, that's what you got to do. And it's that kind of hustle and nonstop grind was, I was addicted to it. I still am, but it was a I mean, good time. That's really amazing. I mean, to, to, you know, for a lot of people that would be frightening. I mean, and, and a lot of people get so frightened by that, that thought of just going off with a month's amount of money and going for an internship and not knowing. And a lot of times it doesn't work out well. Um, do you think it's just your, your, your own, you know, guts or chutzpah or whatever you want to call it? Or is it your people skills or what is it? Because I know you're, you're, you're a wonderful guy and you're personable and you're easy to get along with. And I'm sure that goes a long way. It's just that a lot of times I think people, even if they have those skills, they get frightened. I mean, in my case, maybe it was just foolishness and stubbornness, but uh, I think I just really wanted to give it a go. I've always been someone who, you know, wants to dive into experiences and realizes, you know, it might not work out. And that's, when I was talking to my parents about this and said, I'm going to move to New York for an unpaid internship. And they said, we, we can't pay for that. Like we support you, but like, <laughs> we can't do like, and I was like, it's fine. Like I'll, I have enough for the month. And what I told my parents, I was like, the only thing I'm going to ask of you, like, I, I'm not going to sleep on the streets. I am, have been too spoiled with love and a roof over my head. Like I, I'm not going to do that. But if, if I call you can you find a way to pay for or borrow money for a one-way ticket back to St. Louis? That's mm -hmm. the only ask I'll make is if you can put a hundred bucks towards a plane ticket home, if I don't find a job and everything hits a fan. And I said, okay, that we can do. And so I just took the leap and, you know, worked and worked and ended up totally loving it. And I mean, so I was there for the about yeah. six months working there before I came back for another Muni internship as the arts management intern. Um, so I was working with Mike Isaacson, um, who's incredible, and mm -hmm. you know Megan Lars Dominic and Sue Greenberg, all wonderful people that are the best at the, be at the best. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so it was after that. So I was Muniing round two, 
and went back to New York after that to work for Roundabout. So found my way back. I knew I wanted to be back in the city. I had survived it once on unpaid internships, so I knew I could probably do it again. <laughs> and so how did that, I guess once, so you're in, you're in New York and you're doing that, and then does that lead to more positions in New York so that it sort of set you up for where you are now with the Fox? Exactly. I mean, so it's one of those things Amazing. where when I moved to New York, I definitely knew that I wanted to get my hands on as many opportunities as humanly possible. Um, so I was saying, basically saying yes to everything. That's the um, key. And that's, you know, if you're open to saying yes and maybe not making a ton of money, um, but grinding and working at the restaurant so you can pay, all, like pay to live and take sure. the unpaid internship. I mean, my hope is that we move in a direction where you can afford to live on. That is the hope. That is the dream. That is where I want the industry to move. But, um, you know, I just said yes to everything and jobs would turn into other jobs and I'd get recommendations. So my first job was with New York Musical Festival as a general management intern. And at one point they hired me back to be the assistant general manager. At Roundabout, I started as an apprentice and they hired me to be a full-time company manager. So it was just mostly making those connections and <laughs> working my butt off so they'd hire me back and it worked, which is incredible. No, I think that a lot of this is, is I think, really showing your attitude because, you know, with teaching and I was teaching, you know, uh, students at Maryville who are, um, you know, graduating mm -hmm. and there was sometimes this feeling that they didn't want to do internships. They didn't want to do non-paying internships. And I said, it's important to keep yourself open to that because it will, it's not a long period of time and it will lead to possibly great jobs if you do a great job. Exactly. I mean, I think that's entirely true. And, you know, I kind of beat internships to death. I did so many of them, uh, probably unnecessarily so, but, you know, it always led to something and it built that because coming out, especially coming out of undergrad, I had no credits whatsoever, basically. I did publicity for a show and I was in one show and that's all I ever did in college theater. So I had no resume. Um, so for me, it was just trying to build that resume and build those connections and, you know, the jobs kept coming and you'd make a little bit more and make another connection. And, and you got some amazing experience. That's the other thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because not having the credits, because a lot of people would say, well, how in the world did you get these jobs? You didn't have the credits, but it's like you were a self-starter and you were making your own by experience and, and going from one thing to the other. And that's amazing. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm glad I worked. Uh, I would be, <laughs> oh man, this would be a depressing episode if it didn't work out. Can you imagine? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> here's John O'Brien. John yeah. hasn't done much, but, uh, he's, but a, he's good a good guy. You he know, tries. he tries real hard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the listeners through the roof. Uh, of the saga. I know, it's just like, the wow, this is great. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I guess it, it's important to also talk about how important connections are in this business, especially in theater. And, mm -hmm. and I'm sure you can attest to that. And how did then going from New York, did you come back to St. Louis? Were you at the Fox right off the bat or did you go to the Muni before here, before the Fox? So yeah. in returning to St. Louis, it was for the Fox job. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, connections are so huge. And I remember when I was getting internships or even applying and not getting accepted, I was so annoyed because people would tell me about these great connections and how important. And I was like, okay, how do I get them? How do I want them? That, that's and right. oh, it's it's the most frustrating thing. And now I feel like a total pain in the butt to years later be like, oh, connections are everything. Yeah, right. but, but, but away we go. But, so, I mean, it was just a matter of, you know, building those networks through one job and meeting someone and mm-hmm. saying yes as I was, and diving into these opportunities. Um, so, you know, when I was in New York, I was company managing there for Roundabout and, you know, was working for Broadway brands and kind of an operational role. Uh, so the return to St. Louis was, you know, at one point, Mike Isaacson, who I had worked with a couple years at the Muni, the importance of connections said, Hey, just so you know, there is an opening online at the Fox. Like, I know you are from St. Louis, the family's here. If you're interested in applying, it's something you might want to look into. And, uh, so I applied and, you know, was thrilled and honored that they brought me in for an interview. And I guess it went well enough, um, that they made an offer. So it was, you know, because I had the resume, the producing credits, the general management credits, company management from New York and at the Muni. And, you know, I, Mike Isaacson was one of my references and, you know, I worked hard to make sure we had a strong relationship. I adore the man. Um, so for him to be able to go to Fox and say, you know, here's a, a good guy, he'll do good work for you, do with that what you will. And, you know, there's all kinds of people they're talking to, but um, somehow I tricked them into it, which is my greatest feat. I, <laughs> I, I stole the position somehow. Oh, I don't think so. I think <laughs> that, I think that again, it, it comes down to, you know, your, um, your abilities, obviously your skills and how you're personable and your, your personality. And I think also just what you bring to the table obviously was pretty spectacular because you're, you're still under the age of 30. Is that correct? That is for now. It's the gap is closing. The gap is closing. (laughs) And I think, you know, for some people that would hear this, they would think, my goodness, you know, that's how did you do all of that in that short of a period of time from graduating high school to where you are today? And, um, you know, for just, I guess, younger people out there who are, you know, thinking about careers in theater, and especially now that there is such a boom of arts management, you know, I mean, you're seeing that across the board in colleges, it's offered as, as master's degrees and leadership and all that. How do you find that would be of advice to give someone who's thinking about this? Yeah, who I maybe mean, yeah. is playing a French horn right now and thinking, you know, one day... Exactly. <laughs> to those French horn players, I'd say, put down the horn, step away from the horn, go get a business degree. I'm kidding. I love the French horn. Keep studying, keep working. <laughs> keep holding on to yeah, that dream. Keep the faith. Keep the faith, you little horn player, my God. Exactly. Um, Come on. Yeah, someday I hope I uh, become wildly wealthy so I can create a scholarship for French horn players who have seen the light. Um, but It's a no, goal. It is, right? It is. We we all share that, right? Um, I do. (laughs) I figured as much. But I mean, I think my biggest advice is just kind of say yes and dive in and also don't be afraid to be told no. Mm -hmm. I mean, I 
through so many applications into the world and was denied from most of them. Um, but, you know, and I applied for things that I never thought I could get. Um, here's a secret that Fox will probably hate me telling you. But when I was applying for internships before I moved to New York, when I was hoping to go there, I actually applied for an internship at Fox, my Fox, and I did not get it. Oh, they turned sweet. me down. Uh, yeah, so they turned me down for this internship position, but they we got along very well. So they recommended me to another internship position, which I got. And you know, it, things kind of stacked up. And then truly, I think it was three years later, I got offered this job and I told my boss and he's like, oh, great, 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 great. Good to know. Uh, but, you know, I took the risk and I was told no and denied and that was I fine. Think, I think it's really good that you bring that up because people might think when they hear this, it's just like, oh, he just went from one thing to one thing. And everything was a yes. And that's not how life works. There's a lot of no's, more no's than yeses. And how do you, how did you keep yourself going? I mean, so that it wasn't crushing to you to the point where we really, you were just like, I'm done. I give up. I'm, I'm getting out of this. I'm going back, you know, yeah. to become a, a French horn player. How did you do that? I mean, I think I just was, I, I cast a wide net and, mm -hmm. you know, just had faith that something would happen. Like it's mm -hmm. the most nothing phrase, but for years and years, I've always said, ah, something will happen mm -hmm. and just had faith that I could land somewhere. Um, you know, and it's maybe again, foolish uh, to just be like, it'll work out or it won't and I'll pivot. But I think having that acceptance of, you know, I'll pivot. If I have to pivot, I'll pivot. Um, if I have to end up getting a job, not in theater, I'll do it, but I'm going to work my butt off to try to get that job. And I'm going to grind and grind and apply to everything and just hope and do good work. And hopefully people recognize that. And so that was, for me, it was just, you know, a sheer determination and sure. You know, so sure. the, the no's were fine. I mean, they weren't always great. I mean, no one wants to be told no all the time. No, no, all no. kinds of great opportunities I haven't been accepted for. But, you know, one of the, when I applied for, I, at one point when I was in New York, I was really determined to get an MBA. And I applied to go to Yale to be in their MFA, MBA, dual degree program. I was all gung-ho about it. I was fresh out of undergrad, but only had a couple, maybe less than a year in New York. And I applied uh, and did an interview and it went great. And they said, you know, you're, you're a lot younger than people that than we usually accept into this program. People usually have more experience or are switching careers. I said, yeah, but in the years that I've been out of college, I've worked hard and I've built my resume up. And I said, yeah, you have. And, you know, would you, if we didn't allow, let you in this year, would you apply again? I said, yeah, I'm sure I would. And they said, what will you do in the meantime? And I said, well, I've, got a great resume. So I'm just going to keep plugging around. I, I, well, I had internships at that point, but I was like, I'm going to just try to find a job. And I said, you know, you're probably going to have great luck. And soon thereafter, I got a full-time offer from Roundabout. So it was, uh, it's so much about your attitude. I mean, you yeah. don't seem like you are, you know, deterred easily and you don't, you do it, it. I'm not picking up any sense of, oh, well, I've been told no. And so now I'm just supposed to, you know, give up or go and sit in the fetal position. And, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. It's oh, hard. I do that. I do this that. Plenty. It, <laughs> it's, we all have our fetal position moments, I right? I, oh, tell me about it. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, um, you know, I think it's, it's really, it's cool to hear this because everybody has a different way of keeping themselves going. And it sounds like you really have been able to, you know, keep yourself going, uh, in a good way and look where you are. And, and I guess that's the thing. What, what exactly in, for people who don't know what as a director of programming for the Fox, what exactly does that entail? Cause you've been in that job about three years or is it three years or more? Yeah. About three and a half yeah. now. Yeah. So um, it is in so many ways, my dream job. It, I remember even before I applied for this job, I was tweeting about this job. I was like, oh my gosh, whoever programmed the season of the Fox, incredible. So cool. So I was fangirling before I knew the position even existed really. Um, but the, so essentially I oversee the Broadway series bookings. So uh, the big thing is, you know, going to New York and seeing the shows and trying to put together a Broadway series for St. Louis. Um, you know, it's a fun process of saying, okay, well, I, I'm bringing in the best of Broadway is, you know, our mantra, our goal is to always bring in the best we can. But at the same time, I just want people to come and have a good time. Some shows will challenge them. Some shows, I, you know, we just want to laugh and escape. Um, and, you know, I'm a big proponent of we can have it all. Um, you know, sometimes we need to be challenged. Sometimes we just want to feel joy. Mm -hmm. um, so my job primarily is choosing the shows that come to St. Louis, um, working with the agencies in New York to, you know, schedule where they may land, coordinating with our concert booker, um, and then, you know, negotiating the contracts there. So working with the producers on the deals, um, in addition to kind of the booking side of things, I help uh, with Fox's producing endeavors. So, you know, we were lead producers on shows like Fun Home in New York. So helping kind of maintain our presence and investing and all that jazz. So it's, uh, for me, it's kind of been a perfect mix of I love admin work. I love clerical work. I am totally a paper pusher. I get judged constantly for my unbridled passion for like reconciling credit card statements. Like <laughs> it's, it's insane. I know I'm going to, I'm going to get all have our talents. <laughs> that's it's all I'm good for. I tell people that that's the secret to all listeners. Tell people you like credit card statements and you'll get hired for every job. That's no it. one likes it. Yeah. I know. But you... it's, <laughs> it's those muni days when I was a shopper, I was going through sure. hundreds of receipts. So I like weirdly became so obsessed with organization and that, but so that is, but I love that side of things. But at the same time with this position, I get to have that kind of artistic role of looking at a show and saying, okay, how is when an audience at, in St. Louis walks out of that show, what are they going to be their thoughts? I've seen shows in New York that were critically acclaimed in New York. And I've walked out and been like, you know, that's not maybe what all audiences in St. Louis will like. So mm -hmm. it's trying to balance, you know, what, what is the hot new show? What is the big entertaining show? What's good for families? What is acclaimed and Tony winning? And, you know, just- And really listening sure. to the audience. And then you, and you also have to think about a Midwest audience. And exactly. what works for them could be different than what works on the East Coast. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, do you feel, um, <laughs> this is an interesting question, the <laughs> last year and a half has been different, uh, unprecedented. Um, no one foretold a worldwide pandemic, and it has had its it's had its effect on our theater and theater community, and actually globally theater. What's your thoughts on <laughs> on that? I mean, wow. I mean, Sharon, a year and a half after this started, um, I've determined I'm not a huge fan of global pandemics. Uh, I, <laughs> I think they're, I'll pass. I'm not interested in it anymore. This is, you know, interesting. Yeah. I'll try anything once, uh, yeah. but like, I, yeah. So pandemics have been horrible. And what's been fascinating though, is the way that we've had to adjust and to pivot. And I think that's been actually, uh, I don't know, the bright side of it. Mm -hmm. the, you know, the silver lining is that we've had to readjust and reassess and learn and grow. Um, but I mean, it's been a devastating time for all of us. It's when this all started, I remember being in New York the day that Broadway shut down on March 12th. And I, that day I called the producers of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and I said, you know, St. Louis is not allowing groups over 1000 and together. And so that was my first show in the position, but of pandemic I ever had to cancel was two weeks of Charlie. And I flew back to St. Louis with my boss and we, sat down and decided, okay, so our people are going to be out of work for two whole weeks, two whole weeks of employment from oh, Charlie. Right. Like, what are we going to do? So we are creating different, you know, approaches. How can we help people still get income? How can we, what can we do for people to remedy this two weeks of lost work? Um, what tasks can we create? And then jokes on us because it obviously kept extending and extending. And a year yeah. and a half later, here we are. Um, no one ever thinking this could possibly be a year and a half. Um, but, you know, along the way, it's been, I think, incredible to see the way people have pivoted, communities have come together. I mean, mm -hmm. you you creating the St. Louis Theater Task Force, incredible. Oh, like, thank, thank you, you for that. Like, Thank you. Thank the you. way that artists have been able to come together to support each other and uplift each other. And, you know, honestly, there's value to those moments when we just need to grieve together or um, <laughs> whine a bit. Like I, man, I have hit my whining quota for a lifetime this past year, I'm sure. So I apologize to truly everyone around me. Um, yeah, when it's I it's been a year and a half of fetal positions. I'll tell you that <laughs> right? because, yeah. it, you know, two weeks became two months, became, mm -hmm. you know, uh, six months and and there we are and you know we're still and I agree with you the the creativity and the in ingenuity of everyone in this community of St. Louis and also you know over the United States and globally has been really incredible this you know everything that people have done with radio theater or virtual and it's really amazing it's just that we and I think we were we talked about this we were expecting things to be like completely different at this point <laughs> and back to normal or the normal that we knew. And now we're having to sort of, you know, change things again a little bit or exactly. a lot. I yeah. mean, what we do for love, am I right? Yeah, like, I know. It Boy. is ugh, fools, man. Some days I wake up and I was like, why am I not an accountant? Um, right. <laughs> what have I done? Why did I not invest in Zoom? Um, oh, 
boy, that has not been lost on me one moment. <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, sure, right? Yeah. Hindsight. But it, so, it, you know, it's all we can do is pivot and keep mm-hmm. and recognize and face the reality. And, you know, if we have our sad moment, dust ourselves off and say, all right, like we've given ourselves a minute to put our head down and be human. Like we're all human. But at the end of the day, like, if we want to persist, if we want to continue on, we have to, you know, dust ourselves off and try again. I mean, the number of times I've rebooked. <laughs> so our upcoming season starts in a couple of months here at the Fox. Um, and the number of times I've rebooked this season has been outrageous. I mean, I'm generally booking Broadway shows two to three years out, um, further out in some cases. I mean, some shows will be four years out, depending on the title. Um, but everything is so far thought out. So every time it's like a house of cards where the season will fall apart and I say, all right, we're going to do this again and we're going to start it. And it's, it's all going to work out because it has to, (laughs) it has to, uh, it's like lumping, but I've been telling people it's like landing jumbo jets in a parking lot. Um, cause there is a lot of things that need to land and not a lot of space to land them. Um, but, you know, we, That's we pivot analogy. Yeah. and we keep trying and, you know, because you're, you've announced your season it's just, yeah. it's, I think it's supposed to start in November, Yes. but at this point, again, things are still sort of, I guess it depends, right? Or- yeah. I mean, um, you know, I'm putting into the universe, I am manifesting it here on this podcast Same here. from our mouths to God's ears. Um, yeah, we start in November and we are hopeful and, you know, we're going to prepare and take the precautions we need to, because, you know, another shutdown would be debilitating. It would be devastating for mm-hmm. everyone in live entertainment. So mm-hmm. all we can do is try to make sure our staff is safe and the actors are safe and the audience is safe and we're going to proceed. And so I'm having constant conversations with peers in St. Louis, peers around the country, um, producers of shows, just truly anyone I can chat with because I want to be ready. And, you know, right. Right. If you, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And, you know, best laid plans will fall apart. And when that happens, or if that happens, you got to get over it and pivot. But until then I can work my butt off and try to make sure I have the best chance of survival. Right. Because so much of it is about communication. And like you said, the support of each other within the community, finding out what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the most important thing you can do. And, and, and like you said, keeping people safe is always the, the paramount part of it um, with masks and vaccines. But, you know, things change daily. When yes. we, we think, oh, we're getting a footing and it's like, Oh, it's quicksand. And, you know, there goes Sharon and she's on the rope and yeah. So yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's unpredictable. Is that it is. the perfect yeah. word for it? No, I, it really is like quicksand. It is truly every day, a new, I mean, the past 24 hours have revealed all kinds of new things for me. I've mm-hmm. had all kinds of conversations. My to-do list at the start of yesterday was not how my day ended. It's not how today's going. And so you just have to work and try and 
<laughs> and, and the thing is, is that audiences should realize how hard we all are trying because I know people want to come back and we've seen it. You know, people are going back to the Muni this summer. People have gone to stages this summer. They're, 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 you know, ready to be in a theater and it feels great when you're there. Yep. It's just that, you know, they have to understand that we have worked really hard because we want to keep everybody safe. Yeah. Whether they're on stage or they're in the audience or backstage or hanging from a rafter somewhere <laughs> with a light. <laughs> exactly, though. Right, right. I, mean, I think that that's kind of the beauty and the blessing and the curse of working in theater is that it's like when you see a duck on top of the water where it seems calm and things are coasting along, but the legs are kicking furiously. <laughs> uh, and I feel like that's what working in theater is, where if everything's going well, your audience sees a spectacular show but they, they don't know all the chaos that might surround, hopefully right. not chaos, but all the work and the insane things. I mean, for the Muni, they're doing phenomenal work and reopening in stages and a lot of these companies um, where you know they've created these game plans, extensive, extensive game plans, and they've changed constantly. Mm -hmm. And that ability, that flexibility, yet that determination and grit has been what gets them through. And I think audiences are thrilled to be back and I, I'm so excited to, you know, invite people back to the Fox and to come see your company and see all your shows. Like, thank you, man, I am. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited crazy. about it. I'm excited about it. And I'm, I've got, again, I've got my fingers crossed about October and, you know, hoping that we can do all the things that we want to do this season. And, you know, Moonstone can rise absolutely. <laughs> you know, from it's being sort of, you know, in limbo because of the pandemic. Sure. So I'd like to get one season under my belt. It'd be fantastic. So, I mean, timing. Oh my gosh. The timing, I, that's the, timing. the thing is you were right at the launch. I mean, it was so exciting. And then Again, best life. That plan. was a big fetal position, but you know, <laughs> yeah. you know me. I'm always uh, smiling. I'm always positive. I have to be. You know. But you've, I mean, you've pivoted and Thank have you. done truly phenomenal work during this pandemic. Like Thank you. the way you've brought the community together, but also, I mean, with the podcast, with your future planning, with teaching, all these things you're doing, it's it's really remarkable. So I oh. have to give you major, major credit because it's oh, commendable to make such strides during your global pandemic as enormous. Well, I really appreciate that so much. Um, you know, it's, we have a mutual admiration society because I, <laughs> I've, I've been really appreciative of all the work and that you've done. You're, I admire everything that you do. And I I've, can't thank you enough for all the, the support that you have given to the task force and being there and, you know, being an active part of it. And, and your voice has been very, very important to the St. Louis community and, and just to me in general. So I just want to tell you that. What do you think is next for you? I mean, I, I know the Fox is, is so important, but where do you find your passion? Like, what are you passionate about going forward? Where do you see theater going? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, I am just, I love musical theater. I love theater in general and, you know, being able to connect people with theater and, you know, I think a, a big passion for me is new audiences and trying to embrace new audiences and invite new audiences into the theater. So, you know, my big goal will just be whatever happens in life to, you know, keep helping the Fox grow and to create good theater and help people feel something, have a good time, hopefully not have a bad time. Uh, but, you know, keep working on bringing people in the door, inviting people to the table. Um, 
doing interesting things and, you know, mixing it up, but you know, best laid plans. Again, it's, I, I never thought I would be programming Broadway. So um, <laughs> it's wild no, it's to exciting. see where life takes you, uh, but I love it. Theater is so transformative that it, you know, I try to look at what we've been through as something that might be a positive because mm -hmm. it has brought more theaters together and it has, it has forced us to be creative in ways that mm -hmm. I don't think anybody ever really saw that, that opportunity before. Oh, I entirely agree. I mean, we've been forced to, and theater has always been imaginative and exciting but I think sometimes we get in our own way and we get stuck in our ways. So I think this was almost a forced hard reset for us to say, mm -hmm. okay, like we're going to have to pivot. We're going to have to try something new. We're going to have to have new approaches, have a new openness to virtual work. Um, I mean, one of the biggest things for theater at large that I think is, I mean, it's, it's been rough, but I think incredible is, you know, the theater community being called on maybe it's lack of diversity and lack of inclusion and, you know, not inviting people to the table that absolutely should be at the table and part of the process in the shows. Um, so I'm, you know, pandemics, not great. Um, you know, racial tensions, not great, mm -hmm. but the growth that comes from that, I think is phenomenal. And that's what I'm most excited for. You know, yeah, this, this last year has been very important with just the whole, you know, BIPOC movement and how that was something that really needed a focus and it's become that. And so not just with the pandemic and having to, you know, change our ways about that, we've really had to, I mean, the theater community has really been, talk about transformative. Yeah. We've been transformed. And it's, it's quite, a, it's quite amazing. Um, and I guess the thing is, oh, do you find that um, audiences are coming along for the ride? Don't you think? I mean, they want to see work that's, that's new and fresh and exciting. Absolutely. I mean, I definitely think there is a desire. I mean, everyone, people love their traditional shows. Uh, Wicked. I'm a huge <laughs> Wicked fan. Yeah, I know, me too. But Fox audiences love Wicked. But Hamilton. <laughs> God bless Hamilton. Yeah, God bless uh, Hamilton. <laughs> but uh, I do think that people are, you know, socially aware and conscious and want to be challenged and see things that they see in real life. They want that new, fresh thing, whether it be something that really challenges them or, you know, just something that, you know, maybe they don't know challenges them, something that is of the moment, just feels fresh and, you know, exciting. Even yeah, and I think Midwest audiences are more clamoring for things that are new and fresh and exciting. Um, they they want to expand their their minds about just what theater can teach. Exactly, and I think that even if it's, I, I think what's remarkable is even looking at um, King Lear that the Shakespeare Fest just did in the park. Like mm -hmm. that is obviously a, it's not a new piece of theater. That is pretty old, all things considered, uh, but it is. <laughs> They brought to the stage something entirely new. They gave a whole new life to this phenomenal production with an incredible cast. And it, so they created something fresh and something relatable that audiences were desperate to see um, out of something that, you know, didn't maybe felt like there were cobwebs. I'm going to get struck down by some higher theater god for saying that, but they made it fresh and they made it relatable, which was thrilling. Yeah, and people came and, and it was like they wanted to see a different, you know, perspective and, and, and different, you know, just 
kind of production that they hadn't seen before. And I think there's, I think there's a big audience for that. And then we're seeing that every, every day that, that, you know, innovation is now sort of at the forefront for, you know, what we want to see. And I think that's, don't you think that's where we're headed? I mean, theater wise, or what, what do you find from Broadway? I mean, it's some insight from Broadway. What do you see happening there? I mean, I think what's exciting on Broadway is we are seeing a lot of people taking risk and, you know, sometimes they do work, sometimes they don't work. Sure. What's, Broadway is tough because it is so commercial. It's, you know, hundreds of million, well, not hundreds, multiple, but a 100 plus million dollars can be lost in a Broadway season. Um, you know, a $20 million musical can close down in a couple of weeks and that's wow. just lost money. It's insane how quickly... Uh, big expensive things can fall apart. So, but I think what's exciting is we're seeing that producers and artists are taking risk again. They are realizing that people are long for the risk. They want the challenge. They want to be excited by something. So whether that's taking something like Oklahoma or West Side Story and giving it a new life, um, it's for some people, it's not for everybody, but we're seeing revivals of musicals being updated or changed, adapted. Um, and right now what's exciting is there are, I believe this fall with Broadway reopening, there are seven plays by like black writers. And that is unheard of. That is, you know, we've never seen that much new work by new writers of color and it is phenomenal. It's mm -hmm. incredible. And Absolutely. now we just need to make sure we're supporting it and uplifting it and giving those artists the love and support they need. That is going to be huge, but we're, we're seeing the tide change. And I, I think it's incredible. That's good. I, you're, and you're right. Now it's, it's up to us to support it and to, you know, give it, give it the, you know, give it the, the, the attention that it, that it deserves yeah. um, so that it continues and that it's not just something that's happened like a one-off or just, you know, one, one year or something that this is just a, a regular so that no one thinks about it in terms of, oh, well, we have to do it this time. It should just be the norm. Exactly. Yeah, really, exactly. really. Um, well, I can't thank you enough for being with us. And, uh, you know, I, I love hearing just about you and about, you know, what you do. What do, I guess my question is, what do you do for fun? I mean, you're working all the time. And what 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 do you do just to, to have a good time and relax? Do you travel a lot? Um, I mean, once but we upon can't a time, really in a once pandemic. A so, yeah. you know, so much for in that. World. But I, yeah, I mean, I, I've definitely been a glutton for punishment. And so for a while I was working full-time here, working on my MBA and doing um, the Broadway briefing every night. Um, so, but I do enjoy that. I, I love working in theater. I love writing. So being able to do the newsletter every night is really keeps me in the know, but also makes me feel connected. Um, so theater is, you know, as I'm sure you're aware and as you experience it, it is such a kind of all-encompassing career for better and worse but you know so I love that but at the same time I love spending time with my family and friends love a good restaurant love to travel when I can um so trying to find that balance and I mean that's another thing pandemic has been incredible because it's been a forced reset in a lot of ways and we've had to find more balance which is great 
I think it's important in anybody's life to have, you know, other things that they can put their concentration on, because I, I tell you, you know, when you work all the time and I'm sometimes I get in that, in that zone of that's all I'm doing. And it's, it, you know, you find like you, you can lose yourself somewhat and you mm -hmm. need to have the, the de-stressors uh, to, to find a balance. You're right about that. Absolutely. Exactly. Queso is that de-stressor for me. <laughs> liquid cheese and truly any form um that really does it for me you know i i that's not the first thing that i thought you were gonna say <laughs> but you know it's 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 everybody's different so. passion comes in many forms and sometimes that's it's melted and melted cheese that's right exactly, <laughs> exactly. But you, just, you can't you can't really uh, say no to that i mean only a fool only a fool <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first ladies and gentlemen <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, John, it's been an absolute pleasure. I think you are just uh, terrific. And I, I think I cannot wait to see what you do next with the Fox. I can't wait to see the innovation and, and how much you bring to a, another season and, uh, you know, and all hope and, and faith that we have everything that we are planning for, you know, and, and do I mean, I was going to ask you, do you think you'll continue to do virtual stuff and streaming and, and doing things like that? If I mean, it needs, it needs be, you know, in general, so Fox hasn't done a ton of virtual work. We've shared some other productions, but, you know, I think that I think virtual is here to stay I and too. I think I will continue to watch it and enjoy it. And I think, you know, if we have our opportunities to keep partnering with, you know, some people doing digital content, I absolutely think it's an incredible thing. I mean, we were able to do present to our um, our patrons a like a jagged little pill concert which is a huge broadway hit right now yeah. great, incredible album so i mean to be able to provide that content or at least be a connector to that content um as the middleman and the you know email sender if, if that's about as much as we did on that but um it is incredible so i'm excited uh, i i yeah. think we should embrace it embrace it Oh, that is exciting. I didn't realize. And, and, you know, that's the soundtrack to most people's youth. So oh my gosh. Oh if my I want to, if I want to feel angry or happy or grungy, that's, that's my go-to. You <laughs> ought to know. You She's ought to out know. there uh, doing concerts now all over the place. Oh, I mean, oh. people are going, so that's a, no wonder her show's doing so well. I She's mean, having a renaissance. She has. You, and you love to see it. You love I to like see when it. I see shows that are based off of, you know, great songwriters or great, you know, the Carol King or the, you know, Billy Joel or whatever. I mean, Bruce Springsteen. I mean, I love seeing stories about, you know, artists that we grew up with. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's incredible. And the way that it introduces new people to these artists and I know. you realize, okay, well, that's why that person's incredible. You right. Know? Exactly. It's, it's pretty remarkable. And I think there are jukeboxes and uh, adaptations of albums come in many forms and I'm, I'm not mad about it. <laughs> the, the Britney Spears musical. That's, that's one in the works and I'm intrigued beyond words. That's going to be something. That is going to be something. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm ready. I'll, yeah, I'll see I'm you ready. at opening night. Yeah. I'll save you a ticket, Sharon. Please. <laughs> we have to go to that together. Oh, absolutely. Oops. I did it again. Can't <laughs> exactly. wait. 
<laughs> exactly. Oh, yes, speaking to absolutely. My heart. <laughs> Please. Well, John O'Brien, Director of Programming for the Fabulous Fox Theater in St. Louis, thank you so much for being with us on Moonstone Connections. You are, you're just great. And again, such an admirer of everything you do. Thank you. I'm, I'm so excited I was able to join you. Thank you for having me. This was incredible. And the feeling is mutual. I'm a huge fan of you and your work. So oh, thank, thank you, you so for everything much. you've done. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, John. Have a good day. Well, that's our show. Thank you for joining me. Be well, be safe, and be good to each other. I'm Sharon Hunter. Until next time on Moonstone Connections. Thank you.